I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. My guest today knows a thing or two about second chances. When Cos Marte went to prison in 2009, he was faced with not one, but two big challenges. Lose weight and discover a legitimate career upon release. Luckily for him, overcoming the first obstacle helped him find the answer to the other. Koss, a former drug kingpin, is now helping others get into shape through his fitness company, Conbody. It markets a prison-style boot camp based on Koss's former prison workout routine. The company also provides opportunities to formerly incarcerated individuals by hiring them as trainers. But Koss is now doubling down on his commitment to helping ex-inmates turn their lives around with Second Chance Studios. It's a nonprofit digital media company that trains and employs formerly incarcerated people in audio engineering, podcasting, video production, and other in-demand technical skills. Koss, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. No, thank you, George. This is awesome. What are among the issues people who get out of prison typically face upon reentry? Uh, I think the biggest thing that people face is that you, you get overwhelmed. Um, that's I think that's the first shock that you get um, when you get out is that you get overwhelmed because you just left. Uh, uh, you, you just experienced the time lapse. Um, you know, you you went in uh flintstones age and then technology just takes you all the way out you know and you're like wow we're, we're in the jetsons now we're like flying vehicles and stuff you know so it just feels so awkward and then there's just so many other stuff financial uh barriers uh housing issues you know you you're you're released with 40 dollars and a bus ticket in new york state you know this from firsthand experience you spent time in prison yes i did how long i spent six years in prison um, a year when I was younger, another year when I was younger, four years in my last uh, prison sentence. I don't, yeah. What road led you there, Koss, when you were younger? Uh, it was all drug-related. Uh, I sold drugs at a very early age. Um, I was in and out of the system uh, since 13. I was uh, arrested for dealing weed and then probation and then violating probation and then just getting, it was a revolving door, um, you know, when you, and now it's legal and now, you know, people are capitalizing off of it. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it, for me, it only took a couple bags of nickel bags uh, and, and that destroyed my, my life or not destroyed my life, but uh, took a huge effect of my life uh, from the age of probably 13 to 30. But you were able to rebuild your life. You have a successful company now, Conbody. Yeah, it's been crazy. I, I got Conbody. I started about seven years ago, uh, almost seven years ago. And what we do is hire people coming out of the prison system to teach fitness classes. This is an amazing story because you pretty much came up with this program yourself while you were in prison. You were overweight. Tell us the story. Yeah, so I, I, everything was based off my personal experience where... When I was sentenced to prison, that's the first time I saw a physician for, you know, it was a while when I was running around in the street, I didn't see anybody. I was not going to the doctor. I was just smoking and, and drinking and hanging out and making money. Uh, and so when I got incarcerated, I first got that blood exam and was called down to the medical unit. And they told me my cholesterol levels were through the roof that I would probably die of a heart attack if I didn't change my life my intake and food or exercise. Uh, and they said I could, you know, 
maybe receive a, a heart attack within five years. So that shocked me. That opened up my eyes. And I was like, I, I need to start moving. I need to start working out. Obviously, in prison, you don't get the best food. So my alternative was like really getting down to doing a, my bodyweight workout. So I, I managed to lose over 70 pounds in six months. And then I helped over 20 inmates lose over 1,000 pounds combined. So I took that same workout method um, and, and just started thinking about it while I was in solitary confinement and thought about what I really wanted to do when I came home. And, and I started doing it. Yeah, you first started as Cost Athletics. You became Con Body. It is a prison-style boot camp. Yeah, George, you, you interviewed, you were one of the first people that interviewed me and, uh, and put me on a map, you know, that, that interview went on NPR. And after that, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. So thank you. No, I am so happy for your success. So to what do you attribute the success? How did you get to where you are today? I mean, it, it took a lot of work. Um, you know, there was, there was times where I was, I was training in the park. I was training, training in those rented out studios that you saw. I was like a dirty old, like 300, 400 square foot space, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and we just kept doing it and kept doing it. And, and that's, that's what it took. You know, I was showing up and delivering even when, you know, nobody was showing up sometimes, uh, you know, maybe one person was showing up, two people were showing up. And then it started progressively, you know, getting larger and larger. Today, we've trained over 50,000 people, and it's been an incredible journey. Uh, I've, I've hired over 40 people coming out of the prison system. But, I mean, it took a lot of just showing up and delivering a great product and then marketing the hell out of it just going up to every person that I thought that was working out on the subway, in the streets, and just like nonstop pitching. Who supported you along the way to help get you where you are? What kinds of programs, individuals? Yeah, I mean, I, I took advantage of all the nonprofit organizations, not all of them, but a, a lot of the nonprofit organizations when I came out of the system. Uh, Fortune Society was a huge one. They, they got me, you know, food. They got me job training. Uh, Defy Ventures was a, an incredible program that helped me start off my, you know, my journey into, into becoming a business owner, a career gear, um, you know, got my first suit, you know, when I, when I came out of the system trying to get a job interview. Um, so I, I got a lot of, and I gained a, an amazing mentor who's my big brother still uh, till to to today, Michael Rockman from Career Gear. So I, I took advantage of everything that was out there, you know, and, and I humbled myself. I, I know from previous uh, prison stints and, and coming out, I thought that nobody could help me. I thought there was no program out there. There were very limited programs out there helping people. But I, I thought I could do it on my own, and, and I didn't really need anybody. And this time I said I, I need all the help I could get, and I need to humble myself. How would you say COVID-19 right now is exacerbating problems for people who are getting out of prison? So I spoke to I spoke to an inmate, um, well, some not an inmate, but I spoke, I spoke to somebody that came out of the system during COVID, and this man spent close to thirty years in the prison system. Um, so he said COVID helped him in terms of slowing things down because uh, he he came out in February and and it, and he was like he was so overwhelmed that everything was moving one hundred and ten miles per hour. People are looking at their phones. Uh, you know, they, they, he, he had no idea what the hell was going on. He needed some type of skill and then COVID hit and it was like, all right, now I can like sit down and think, you know, and we try to 
take advantage of the resources, but it's been been difficult for him. He can't even get a state ID. Um, he 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 can't get a job. He's gotten little job offers like doing like delivery, food service um, on Seamus or something like that. But then he can't get a job because he doesn't have a state ID and DMV is not opening up till who knows when. So like how, you know, how, what, what happens to these individuals? You know, like it's, it's just an incredible, crazy, you know, frustrating time for somebody that's coming out of the system. Um, but it's also a time where, where we could think and breathe and, and, and do a little bit of planning as well. Um, but it, there's, you know, there's people that are living in the streets. There's people that are relapsing right away because no one's helping them. And it's, it's a frustrating and, and people have the efforts sometimes. As we talked about, you have been helping formerly incarcerated individuals become personal trainers. Now you have a new venture that you're working on. You want to train formerly incarcerated individuals in new media skills and help them find jobs there. Yeah. So my brother, um, my brother's a local politician now. Uh, he's, he's running for uh, city council um, now doing uh, doing run, doing all his runarounds now and spreading the word about his message. Uh, but he works at the arena full time, uh, which helps uh, minorities getting into office as well. And uh, Ravi, his boss, approached me about a year ago saying like he wants to get into the criminal justice space um, and, and he wants to train people with more technical skills. So one issue that we saw was like, even through COVID times, like, it's very difficult for somebody to keep a job, you know, for anybody that like us, I, I'm, I have, I'm fortunate enough to do like my video, you know, zoom training calls uh, for yourself. You can still record in your, in your little bedroom on a corner somewhere with, with the, no sound, you know? So, but, but for somebody that's swinging a hammer or doing a manual labor job coming out of the prison system, that's, that's the typical job that somebody's receiving when they're coming out. And, and that, you know, it's, pretty much gone for the time being. And so we wanted to create something that gives, uh, that's more relevant, uh, but also more technical, uh, doing like audio engineering, podcasting, uh, video production stuff. Um, and, and we started doing workout video stuff with Combody. Uh, so I, what we want to do, we want to take 12 fellows coming out of the program, uh, get them into high corporate paying jobs. We, we're, we just spoke to the moth that wants to help us, uh, Vice wants to help us, you know, we're, we're trying to reach out to Spotify, see if they want to get involved. Uh, Google wants to help us. So we want to see, you know, how we could get these individuals to actually gain a sustainable technical job when they're coming out of the system instead of, you know, swinging a hammer for the rest of their lives. Uh, and, and sometimes that's, that doesn't last for, for so long. Uh, so that's that's the goal um, is to put these individuals and maybe, you know, I, I can have the opportunity to hire somebody to do my video production stuff. But yeah, that's that's what I really want to do. Is your hope to actually have a physical studio where you can have people come in and learn on equipment there? Yeah. So we uh, pre-COVID, we were going to launch this program. Um, we, we actually launched it during COVID because we got approved with our 5013C in the middle of like may uh and then we were like well let's let's plan on pushing a kickstarter and so we 
we uh, surpassed our Kickstarter goal. We actually need to raise a million dollars to like make everything sustainable. And we want to pay the individuals going through the program uh, a stipend. So have an actual salary going through the program. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the goal uh, is to make all this thing happen uh, by January and, and have a space that we could call our home where we could record our, our podcasting or help individuals that want to start off with their own, you know, a podcasting service or get them into corporate jobs doing audio engineering, video production work, um, you know, more backend stuff. Uh, and there's already a lot of individuals reaching out wanting to be part of the program. Uh, right now, the, the thing is we got to, we got to get that money in the door so we can make that happen. You're calling this Second Chance Studios, right? Yes, yeah, Second Chance Studios. And you want to locate these studios in the same building as Conbody, right? That, that's a goal. That's a goal. I, I would love to have, you know, the, the space above Conbody uh, and just because we will take over the whole building as a three-story building. Um, we'll take over the, the top two floors and then there's a, there's a roof there where we can do, you know, some, some events. Um, but yeah, that, that's the goal. That's, that's what we want to do. Uh, downstairs is a restaurant, super cool, super chill. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, that's a dream. And, and if that doesn't happen, we want to see if we could get like a, some partnership going on with like maybe NYU or Columbia or somebody that already has an existing space that we could utilize so we could save on our costs because it's going to cost uh, a, a bit to get all the, the equipment and the space and build it out. Um, but if we could get somebody to help us, you know, and, and take that burden off our shoulders where we could just, you know, get all the salaries in the door uh, for the individual going through the program, that's, that's what we want to do. Con Body is located on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, right? Yeah, Lower East Side. We're on 121 Lolo Street. Talk to me about the folks that you have worked with there, the individuals who've come out of prison and have had a second chance because of Con Body. How many now? Uh, about 47 now. I, haven't, I don't got the exact number, but I know it's definitely about over 45. Um, but yeah, nobody has gone back into the prison system, and that's the beauty uh, about what we've done is that we created a, a, a community of formerly incarcerated people. And I would say 98% of only hired one person that has not been into the prison system. Uh, and we've gotten uh, other people volunteering, helping us that have not gone back, back into the system. But yeah, I mean, the majority of the people that I hire, um, pretty much everyone has been an amazing community just to, to bring everybody together and just fight uh, for the injustice, uh, a lot of them came home uh, wanting to be personal trainers, wanting to work in in Equinox, and, and when they fill that application for Equinox, they, they Equinox tells them we can't hire you because of your background. Uh, so it, things like that, it's just it's very frustrating when you come home when they tell you you can't do this because you did something in the past when you were younger. Um, but when I have this community that wants to fight and move forward and represent something for another opportunity, I wouldn't even call it a second chance because, you know, a lot of the the people that I've hired have gone into the system when they were 15, 16 years old. So when, when did they really get a first chance, you know, so um, that's what, that's what, you know, made us so special that our whole team, uh, we, we were, 
I wouldn't call it a gang, but like a, just like a, a, a team, you know, a real, real team that we want to support. And it's, it was just not a job. Uh, a lot of the individuals that came out and started working with us uh, started, you know, had issues with, with finding housing. Uh, there, was a, there was a point where I had to like sleep five air mattresses in the studio mm. um, because nobody had a home, you know? And I was like making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for everybody. Uh, you know, in the afternoon, because uh, that's all that's all I could afford. Uh, but it, it was just real, you know. And today we have a, a we partnered up with Thrive for Life, which is an organization up in the Bronx that has three buildings. They donated a building to us where we house people coming out of the system that works with us. Um, so that's been an amazing uh, push for us. So we actually have a place where people could live at a substan- substantial wage. Um, but yeah, I mean. A lot has gone gone on in the last seven years. Let me ask you this question. Why is it important to you to help others who are returning to society after having been in prison? You know, you can just go make your own success, hire personal trainers who are not formally incarcerated. Why is this personally important to you? It's a, it's a personal pain that I felt, you know, the unfairness that I felt. And, and just seeing that happen time and time again to uh, the friends, the people I knew, it's just like it, it aggravates you you know it's like when you saw george floyd on the floor being pinned and you're like is this 2020 is this really happening like you know it just makes you want to get up and just like fight and and just push and 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 that's the same exact feeling that i that i get constantly you know when i when i see some unfairness or discrimination or disparities in the systems you're doing your part, of course, but are there reforms that you would like to see? Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about, you know, taking out the, the question, have you ever been convicted of a felon uh, out of the application uh, of housing, of, of employment? Um, in New York State, is illegal to even have that. Uh, but, you know, some people just have old application processes, don't even know that it's illegal. Uh, so I think bringing that information to all those employers, bringing that information to all these housing uh, spaces, um, you know, so we, we have a fair shot. And then the biggest thing is that you could just Google anybody and your criminal history just shows up on the internet. So that's, that's the scariest part rather than just checking the box or having that question is like, let me just see what this person is about. Cause you're going to Google anybody that's coming to, you know, that you're going to hire to see what their background was or, you know, their history was. And, and, and it pops up, you know, thank God I like my criminal histories on probably page 20 for me on Google because I've been featured on all this crazy stuff. But, but for the, the person that comes out, I came home and somebody told me, oh, did you Google yourself yet? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm on Google. I, I felt special. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my criminal history is up there. Um, so it was, it, it's, it's just crazy. And we can't ignore the fact that these are issues that disproportionately affect communities of color, right? Very important to talk about that. Very important to make that change because of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a systemic um, disparity since the beginning. Uh, so, you know, if anybody hasn't watched the, the 13th Amendment, the movie on, on Netflix, I advise you to watch that. It basically uh, shares how uh, the 13th Amendment was was developed uh, after slavery was abolished. Um, So, you know, you think about all these white slave owners 
uh, had all these black people work in the fields. Now they're, you know, free. Uh, so I don't want to pick up my, my own cotton, you know, how do I get people back to work in the fields? You lock them up again. Uh, so the 13th states, if you're incarcerated, you're subject to being a slave. That's the only way you can be a slave. And so you bring all those people that you incarcerate, majority of the black people that you just release in freedom, you lock them up and you bring them back to the fields to work. And, and that's just a revolving door. And so it's happening today with just major corporations just working in the prison system. Uh, and that's how money making business in the system works. So for example, I was working at the Department of Motor Vehicle, uh, gaining about 10 cents an hour um, you know, I was making about $40 a month, uh, working 40 hours a week. And so imagine, you know, that, that, that calculates about 50 cents a day or so. And, uh, it's, it's, it's just frustrating when you see like somebody that has a customer service job outside, they might probably make it about $20 an hour, but how, how am I going to make a living with just making even inside with making eight, seven cents. And that's one of the highest paying jobs. And so uh, like Victoria's Secret, you know, underwear are made in prison. You know, most people don't even know that, that says made in America, but <laughs> it's made in the system, you know? So it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, but it's reality. How much have you had to fight against the stigma yourself after you came out of prison? to fight against the stigma of being someone who was formerly incarcerated? Uh, I've been fighting ever since. Uh, it hasn't stopped. Even even with... Uh, even with all your success around Combody. Even with all the success. Even with like, even the PPP program, you know, they, they started discriminating against people who had been incarcerated, couldn't get the loan. You know, anybody that was incarcerated, uh, you know, that was released from prison from five years, you know, wouldn't be able to get a loan. Uh, from the from the government that was being given out to you know all these huge corporations and and they were like just taking millions and millions of dollars from the government you know because it could have been forgivable but somebody has been incarcerated has done amazing work and and started their own business now can't retrieve you know any assistance from the government so what do you do you, you yeah you're forced to close your business um, so I, I I fought with that recently and and we actually got it. Uh, and was successful on that. Uh, another thing is when I started the business, uh, I couldn't get business insurance. I was being quoted uh, about $30,000 $30, a month because of my background. I sold drugs, all right? I, I served my prison time, I served my parole time. You know, why can't I just start at a fresh state space? And, uh, and, um, and we spoke to Governor Cuomo's office, they, they got that policy overturned uh so now i have you know business insurance for the last like five years but for the first two years i was operating i i had i was uh, i could have faced a huge liability you know but thank god i we went through it and, and beat it and so it's just it's it's crazy it's crazy and there's forty-seven thousand collateral consequences that one state one person faces when they come out of the system so that's just two things that i just described uh, you know, when you're when you're 16 years old and you're facing a judge and, and the legal aid tells you to plead guilty on this charge because you have to do it's only going to be five years of parole or, or, and you have to serve two or three years in prison. You're like, I'd rather do this than serve life or whatever. And they give you a crazy ultimatum and you take it and you finish all your time 
And now they didn't tell you in court that you have 47,000 now rules against you because of your criminal history. As a 15-year-old kid that went into the system, didn't I had no idea that I was going to be faced with all these these barriers, you know. But this this is America. So, Kaz, how hopeful are you that the heightened awareness that we're seeing right now around racial injustice will lead to real change? That it will help formally incarcerated individuals get jobs, find housing. I I, I see change happening. It's going to take a while. Uh, but I, I hope it's not a I hope it's not a trend. I hope it's um, you know something that people really take seriously and, and really take action uh, forward with it. I, it. People are not stopping yet. You know, I, I know I was uh, when the George Floyd stuff happened. It was a huge movement. You know, and and people are still doing it in Portland and and uh, and and the West Coast um, and and rioting and all this other stuff. But it. I'm glad it happened because if it didn't happen, nothing would happen, you know, on a, on a positive end. So we'll see. We'll see. We, we just got to keep pushing it and, and thank God it, you know, something happened during these times where people are at home and, and could watch and see the unfairness uh, that a person of color has to face, you know, time and time after again. And, and now we have the time to speak out and hopefully it's not just a little trend, let's throw a little bit of money at it, and, you know, it's, it, it continues happening. And programs so. like Second Chance Studios, programs like Con Body, helping to break that cycle, right? Because you're providing opportunity. Exactly, exactly. It takes, it, they spent, you, you know, your tax dollars go into providing funds for these prisons. Um, it, it, they're, they're spending over $300,000 per inmate to incarcerate one individual in New York City. Three, over 300000 per year. If you pay me a hundred grand, I'm staying out of prison, you know? And, and so that's, that's my goal is to give these individuals an actual livable wage where we're trying to pay them $60,000 a year uh, going through the program um, and, and secure them to not go back, actually give them a technical skills give them value and and have them work at a career and have them get a career not a not a job somebody told me when i came home uh if you get a job uh it's j-o-b stands journey onto brokenness uh and that's something that i didn't want to do and i'm sure you've done your research i would imagine that you know that there are jobs being created in video editing podcasting all of these digital formats the industry is blowing up and i hope i hope to get you as a as a mentor one day george <laughs> you yourself have a podcast right my my one of my trainers and i we we started it uh he get, came up with the idea of starting a podcast and then i named it i was like hey let, let's you, you know you were ex-junkie i was an ex-dealer let's call it ex-dealer ex-junkie and um and it's basically sharing our experiences of how uh you know we were we went to we went through the system and but from two different lights you know i was selling and he was using and you know that the issues that he had to face but also stuff that is happening in the criminal justice space uh a lot of the disparities we have conversations around there and then we joke around about our own you know crazy life when we first met because we walked your old streets where you used to sell right how do people view you now? I mean, people just show me a, a lot of respect. Um, and in the beginning, when I started, when you met me back then, people looked at me like I was crazy. You know, they were like, you're doing what? You know, you went from 
making millions of dollars a year driving like Benz and Beamers and all this crazy stuff to now working out in the park. And, and uh, <clears throat> now those individuals are asking me for jobs, you know, and, and they want a, an opportunity and they're inspired. You know, they, they feel like they could leave, you know, find a way and find a, a space where they could not be dealing in the streets. Uh, or if somebody's just a local person in the neighborhood, uh, now they believe that somebody could actually change, you know, because a lot of the people that, that we, that we see say that, you know, people will never change. And, and I feel like I've, I, I've changed that narrative for them and inspired them. That being said, how important is it for folks like you to share your stories to help break that stigma? People can change. Give us a chance. Give us an opportunity. Yeah, it's extremely important. The, our voices need to be heard. Uh, you know, it's it's what we we haven't heard in media uh, for a very very long time. Uh, mainstream media and these huge networks. Uh, you know, you see these prison shows, and they're just glorifying the individual and saying like, "Oh, these these people are all locked up, caged animals," and most of them are showing black and hispanic individuals on tv and so this is the depiction that you start receiving in your head is like oh i should be scared of people of color and it's just so wrong it's so wrong and so we need to change that whole narrative uh and show the the ingenuity so show that we're we're just regular people that committed mistakes as a young kid we we had an unfair chance you know we we grew up in different neighborhoods we learned different things that um you probably didn't learn. Well, for people who want more information about Second Chance Studios, how do they find out about it? Yeah, so you could go to secondchancestudios.org. Uh, you could sign up for uh, to be a mentor if you want to just assist or, or donate. Uh, but if you want to be a, a applicant, you know, you could write, you could apply right through the program on on our website. So that's secondchancestudios.org. Cost always a pleasure. No, thank you, George. Appreciate it. A big thanks to Cos Marte for talking with us, and thank you so much for listening. Our producer is Maddie Bristow. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. I'm George Boldarki. We'll see you next time.